Hello and welcome to One for the Road with me, Sober Dave. I'm going to be talking to some incredible guests over the next few weeks, all of whom have made the decision to look at their relationship with alcohol and take steps towards a positive change. My guests are all at different points in their journey, but all have powerful and uplifting stories to share. And that's why I hope you find each episode a valuable source of inspiration and insight. My sponsors for season three of One for the Road are the amazing Rock Sober, a brand established in 2017 and led by brothers Sean and Lee, who are both in recovery and on a shared mission to inspire and support recovering addicts worldwide. Injecting rock and roll into sobriety, Rock Sober offers merchandise and accessories to inspire and empower its community of sober badasses. The boys have recently launched a new range of alcohol-free beers which are taking the market by storm. Every beer purchased will help Rock Sober on their mission to support and inspire more people in recovery. Their message is clear, you don't need alcohol to have a good time. So let's all rock sober and remember the good times with Rock Sober AF Drinks. My special guest today on One for the Road is a young lad, he's 25 years old, and I think by the end of this podcast you will be blown away by his unbelievable wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Owen. So, Charlie, welcome to my show, One for the Road. How are you today? Amazing, thank you. Over here on the on the Gold Coast in sunny Australia. Super excited. They can't see, I can, but you've got an amazing tan. You look very healthy. Oh, I'm very rosy. I haven't got the Australian tan yet. I'm more of a red than a brown. <laughs> or the accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, need, I need to pick up on the twang because I don't sound very Australian over here. But when I speak to friends back home and I use some slang, they're like, why are you speaking like a bellend? But it just comes so natural when you're hanging around Aussie bogans all day. Of course it does. So I came across your account actually a few weeks ago and I can't remember how, but someone sent me your page and I looked through it and the message you give out is absolutely amazing, right? And your page is named Lad Searching Search for Meaning, right? And it's specifically, I think, aimed for lads. But I can assure you that the message you give out is aimed at everyone, every single person. But before we get into that, I would really, really love to wind it back a little bit and um, talk about your story and where you grew up and what brought you to being in Australia, really. Yeah, so years back, I had a pretty easy childhood growing up, to be honest, in a super small town, a family of farmers in North Wales in the UK. And yeah, super ordinary childhood, happy, just living on the farm, like not like kids these days wrapped in bubble wrap. I was playing on the farm, like, rolling around in cow shit, eating worms, like that kind of childhood. And it's super good. And just living in such a small town, there's only 2000 people living there. And I lived there for 23 years. So I haven't got this big traveling around all my childhood and moving homes had a very stable childhood and my friends all stayed the same so we grew up all together and then everyone in the everyone in the in the town sort of knew each other like you could walk down the street 
and there'd be like a grandmother there and you knew oh that's my friend's nan or that's things missus or it's just everyone knows each other which is a blessing and a curse because you can't get away with much yeah so grew up there and then later on in life was starting to look into buying a business with my brother and that went on for like a year but after a year's process and spending shitloads of money we it eventually fell through with um all the due diligence and stuff with the accountants so the decision was either get that business or travel which my girlfriend at the time was really pushing to travel because she was like nah i don't want to be stuck in this home like small town but i was so in my comfort zone of wanting to stay there and like i was scared of moving because that's uncertainty so the business fell through so i was like oh fuck i have to travel now and then we bought a ticket to thailand to do five months around asia like all the uh, all people in the young 20s do and we planning to travel around for about six months but this is obviously in the pandemic in the start of the pandemic my mom was like don't go don't go because you're gonna get stuck in asia like you're gonna die this virus is gonna kill you and then we landed in thailand had five days all the countries are closing down around us vietnam cambodia laos they're all closing we're on this small island in the middle of nowhere in thailand and it was wednesday and scott morrison the Prime Minister of Australia, he announced they're shutting the borders on Friday to non-residents. So we're like, fuck. So we had to get a tuk-tuk, which is a taxi, and then a ferry, a coach to the airport in Siratani, flight to Bangkok, sleep on the floor in Bangkok airport for 10 hours. During this pandemic, we had no idea about like, there's people coughing around us. Me and my girlfriend were just in the corner, worried for our life. Like, is this going to kill us? So much uncertainty. And then flew over to Brisbane, direct flight, then up to Ailey Beach. And then quarantined at my sister's house for two weeks. So it was the craziest, craziest like two weeks then. Because I left I left the UK on about the 10th of March, planning to do six months in Asia. But I was in Australia by the 16th of March. So plans got mixed up a fair bit. But coming to Australia is the best thing I ever did. That's crazy, isn't it? Because you've been in this um, small village all your life with 2,000 mm-hmm. residents. And then it goes from one extreme to the other, doesn't it? It was like a wild few weeks for you. Yeah, moving to Australia was just mind-blowing. But even in Thailand, like in Bangkok, I haven't really been in a city for that long before. But going to Bangkok and just seeing all this noise and so many people, I was like, fuck, this is stressful. This is stressing yeah. me out. Coming from such a small town, like my family of farmers, like yeah. growing, growing up on a farm to being in the middle of Bangkok, it really shakes you up. But that change of environment does so much to you, especially when you're young. Do you know what? I can relate to that because I went to a retreat um, when I first became sober and it was four days in the middle of nowhere and, and there were 18-hour silences. And when you had food, you weren't allowed to talk. And uh, my wife had just been diagnosed with cancer for the third time and we agreed that she was going to spend some time with her best friend and I was still going to go on this retreat because we knew we had a real journey ahead of us so i went from that retreat for four days to meet her in london for the appointment with the oncologist and it was exactly the same for me it it was like i'd lived in the remote for about 10 years when i got to london the chaos and the people everywhere so i can really relate to how it was for you and I imagine your girlfriend, you you must have known all your life, right? Yeah, we, well, not all our life. We met in school and then got together shortly after school. But living in such a small place, there's no such thing as Tinder. Like half the people you're related to or half, most of the people have slept with one of your mates or something like that. So it's literally a case of finding a girl and settling down. There's nothing else to do except for have a girlfriend in these small towns. 
Yeah, I'll bet. So that's what we did. Yeah, so that's what we did. Hitched up at like 18 and stayed together for about six and a half years because you know nothing else. And then we eventually broke up when came over to Australia because the change of environment, there's so much to you. When you're stuck in such a small place, that's all you know. You're just in a constant routine of doing the same thing. Yeah. And then coming over to Australia, complete change of life, halfway across the world from the from like parents and all my friends. It just changes you. And I, I wish every young person decides to travel when they're young. Like take that gap year. I know everyone takes a piss out of it, everyone's finding themselves, but taking that gap year, coming over to the other side of the world, moving from where you live, just does so much to you, like op- like independence and it opens your mind to different cultures. Cause if you just live in the same place all your life, that's all you know. You're just stuck in the same way of thinking. Yeah. And you're not going to change much outside that narrative of the small town. But when you visit different places, see different cultures and see how other people live, it'll just open your mind. And doing that as young as possible is huge. So yeah, if I went back to my 18-year-old self, I'd say travel. Yeah, I I it's one of my regrets, Charlie, that I didn't travel. Uh I settled down quite quickly. I had a situation when I was 14, my mum left. So I grew I grew up really quickly. And then I met this girl and we settled down together. And that was when I was 19. So from 19 to 24, which are the years really you should be exploring and seeing the world and that, I was actually paying a mortgage. And, and I had no money. It was really difficult for me. And I quite often look back at it and think, oh, that's the time I should have expanded my knowledge and travelled the world and all that, you know. So... With your go- so you separated from your girlfriend in Australia, did you? Yeah, we came over here and then decided to split up. And yeah, as soon as we got over here, really. Yeah, yeah. How was that for you then? Because six and a half years at your age then was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a big percentage of my life. <laughs> it's almost seven years. It's from sort of 16 to 23-ish. Yeah. And that was that was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Yeah. Coming over here, we were living up in Ely Beach together for six months and then... We decided to split up. It was the right thing to do, but it's still so shit. And then we moved to Brisbane. Like I moved to Brisbane on my own. And I stepped out of the airport, straight out of a relationship of seven years to my my best friend and into this city. Never lived in a city before. Knew one person there out of the whole city. I just felt so alone, but I leaned into that pain and the growth I had from it was incredible. It took, I had a big slump for six months. I was getting into super unhealthy habits like drinking, like drugs, like just casual dating. But on the back end of that, the pain I went through caused so much growth on the back end. So I'm so thankful I went through that. But breakups are the hardest thing young people usually go through. Everyone goes through a major breakup in their life, especially young life. And a lot of people can't get over it. They haven't got the tools to process their emotions. The school doesn't, school doesn't teach you how to deal with these events in life it doesn't mate and and i want to talk about that in a minute but it it's like it fascinates me with your story where you've gone from one extreme to the other gone through a breakup ended up in brisbane on your own feeling lonely feeling lost and what's come from that is serendipity in a way that you are where you are now and you you're so knowledgeable about being in touch with yourself like your inner self and and the way you speak on your instagram is fascinating mate honestly i i I commend you so much for for putting that out there because i know it helps so many people and not just lads but you know your drinking did it did it get out of control when you separated from her or was it like did you drink a lot before when you were together or what was your relationship with alcohol what initially sparked it was not having the confidence 
to go out and meet girls now that I'm single or even go out and socialize. So I used it as a bit of a crutch just to lean on so that I could go out. And I was only going out so I could post on social media just to show how good my life was to friends back home. I was in such an unhealthy pattern of just drinking to be able to go out, to have the confidence to go out. And then while I'm out, just put on social media, I was more focused on making myself look happy rather than actually being happy. And that's what I use alcohol for, just to be able to go out and socialize and talk to girls. It's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of accounts are like that. And I've read a lot about that, where where the the image of an Instagram account is quite often not what it Mm. seems. Do you know what I mean? And and there's yeah. so many messages you get out there on your page. It's amazing. So how did you, was Cage your best friend or did yeah, you? Yeah, me and Cage have been friends since school, like yeah. going through thick and thin together. And he's recently got into personal development as well. And yeah. we've just got so many memories together. And I approached him with the idea, like we need to put advice out there that we wish we had at 18. Yeah. That we could have dealt with the shit we've been through in life. Yeah. And he was just so on board with the mission. He's like, yes, we need to do this. So we just bonded really well here. What I love about you two is is you're so calm with your message as well. I mean, you know, you come across so well and it's completely, there's no ego involved. It's just saying it how it is and that's so important. And honestly, mm. I, you and Cage are just amazing. And, and there's so many things that I can relate to on your page that you talk about. And, and you know, you've gone down the road of the reel, which I did a joke reel and I've had so many hits from that joke reel. It's unbelievable where, you know, I think I need that my age to stick to the message I do uh, and not dabble yeah. reels, but you're, the way you do it is so powerful. Uh, and there's certain messages you give out that can really relate to a lot of people listening on this podcast, you know. So maybe I can talk to you about a couple that I think would help people. And one is fighting you're in a battle, right? Because for me, when I was drinking, I, I had a constant inner battle with myself, right? About why have I got to this in my life? Why can I achieve all these other things, but I can't stop drinking? Why have I stopped socializing? All these negative connotations that I was asking myself, you know, right, rather than being positive about it. But that went on as well when I stopped drinking, the inner battle of what am I going to become and that. But I realized after a while that I just, I let it go. It, it, it's like, okay just go with the flow with the journey here you know it's just calm down a bit don't expect too much just concentrate on what you're doing and that is by stopping drinking alcohol and the rest will follow so when when you talked about that do you want to tell the listeners to what your idea around the inner battle means yeah a lot of people lean on alcohol and you can actually use alcohol as a guide to see what you're lacking when you're sober. And that's what I did looking back. But in the moment, I didn't realize I had to use alcohol to even message chicks, to go on dates with chicks, to go out and socialize with my mates, to actually have a good time. And that went on for like six months. I remember coming out of a seven-year relationship, you kind of lose your touch with going on dates and stuff. (laughs) So um, I remember having to be pissed to ask this girl to go on a date with me. And then the day of the day, I had to drink like five bottles of beer before going on a date because I was so scared of revealing my sober self in case I wasn't good enough. So I had to use alcohol as a way to cover up my lack of confidence to actually go on a date in case she didn't like my so- the sober version of me. Yeah. 
And in the moment, I didn't even realize. I thought, oh, I'm just young. I'm having a good time. But this went on for so long. I had to use alcohol for every single outing with friends just as a crutch to lean on because I wasn't confident people would like my so like the sober version of me. But after a while, I stepped back. I started getting into meditation. That changed my life. I'll come back to that. And that gave me the headspace to actually look at the situation from a sort of third eye view and say, you're using alcohol to cover up your lack of confidence, to cover up your social skills, to cover up this, this, this. And I made a whole list of things I had to use alcohol for. And then I could actively start working on it. I could actively start saying, oh, right, I'm not very good at this because I have to use alcohol. How can I improve that? How can I improve that? And then I just fell in love with picking myself apart, picking up all my personality traits and what I want to be good at. I started breaking myself down and put myself back together with different traits. I sort of made an avatar for myself. What do I want to be like? And I just started working one by one, reading um, personal development books, listening to podcasts, listening to audio books, and listening to the advice of people I genuinely look up to. And that really changed my life. And the meditation helped a lot because I moved in with a guy that was really into meditation. And I was like, fuck that. That's for hippies. Like, it'll never work. (laughs) I, I did it once for 10 minutes I was like nah doesn't work he was like do it for 14 days 10 minutes a day and come back to me and this was when I was at my roughest spot and I did it it was a struggle I couldn't sit down with myself for 10 minutes which was a massive red flag and then after 14 days I had so much distance from my thoughts that I can actually have an overview of my life to see what I can work on rather than being in my life I was looking at from an outside perspective so I can actually change the things I wanted to change rather than just going through the motions and keeping to my routine and never changing. So that was a massive thing, the meditation. That's fascinating, mate, because on this retreat, I every morning I was woken up with this gong, right, 6 a.m. And I was sober then, but I was only a couple of weeks sober, right? So 6 a.m. it was like um, someone, the guy would walk around with this gong, just gently gong, gong. And that was for the meditation, right? So we'd all shuffle down to the hall and the, the, the main man was there in his meditating state and he looked like something from the 70s. There was um, a TV show called Kung Fu with David Carradine and he was that sort of character and he had this demeanour about him that was so relaxing and peaceful, you know. And we'd all like gather round and get into our positions and close our eyes and... And I, I was just every now and again just opening one eye, like, because I couldn't do it. But everyone else seemed to be in the zone. And I was like, what is wrong with me? So it's really interesting that that guy said to give it 14 days of 10 minutes because this was mm. like half an hour, 40 minutes worth. And I just couldn't. And the more I couldn't do it, the more my brain was just busier, you know. So... It's interesting. After 14 days, was it like you would completely change your view? So when you say you were looking from the outside, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we all get involved in our own thought patterns and we put obstacles in the way. And that's what I was doing. Yeah. Let's you get away from that little voice inside your head, that constant going through the same routine to actually take a step back and assess your life. Because yeah, meditation. I recommend it to anyone. It genuinely changed my life. Yeah. The fact I couldn't sit down with my thoughts, like I couldn't sit in silence for 10 minutes. I was like, that's crazy. This this day and age, young lads, 
well, everyone in this young age are so addicted to their phones, so addicted to social media and that instant gratification mm. that we can't do anything boring anymore. We can't sit and read anymore because it's not fast enough. Yeah. And that's why so many people aren't achieving what they want to achieve because they're in such a constant loop of wanting that instant dopamine here, that instant gratification that we've lost the art of doing hard, boring things. Yeah. So having teaching myself to sit down in my thoughts, to sit inside my own head and become friends with myself, to be intimate with myself, form that relationship with myself. Yeah. You learn so much about who you are as a person rather than just being in the same cycle of doing the shit that's getting you nowhere because you can actually okay. stop like slowing down is the best way to speed up because you can stop change your path see where you want to go and actually make the right decisions rather than just putting one foot in front of the other looking down you can actually look up see where you're going and choose your next path so i think meditation is huge and i recommend it to any young person or anyone in the world you know i often talk about um when i stopped drinking i it was like ripping the blinkers off because like you've just described looking down at the floor all the time you know you, you you're not looking further than that but when i stopped drinking i was looking at the view and it's like what is this i haven't seen this and i'm 54 years old i haven't seen life around me it's fascinating so is that part of um, when you said, I wish I knew this at 18? What would you say to 18-year-olds? Because I did that talk with Sarah Drage at the college in front of 400 students. And when they saw on the uh, screen alcohol and addiction, I could hear a couple of them going, Ugh. it was a Monday morning, you know. But that inspired me even more to get my message out because there was no way I was going to tell them not to drink. It was about, you know not bowing to the peer pressure and having your own mind. And, you know, if you've got an exam in the morning, don't blow it by just going out and getting plastered and stuff like that. And uh, just learn to say no, but being comfortable with saying no. Do you know what I mean? So what would you, you know, like us older people now, if I knew then what I know now and whatever. Yeah. And you're what, like 25 now, are you? Yeah, five, and and you're so wise, honestly. So, what would you say if you were on that stage in front of those sixteen to eighteen year old students about life? This was the thing with the page. I originally used it because I was getting into personal development, and I was reading these things, and they were changing my life. And I was doing these activities. I was speaking to people, and I was like, "Holy shit! So many people would benefit from this." Like, I need to get the message out. So, I sort of used the page as a journal like things I wish I knew when I was younger, when I was 16 to 18 to 20, that had helped me build a more resilient mindset and actually set myself up for the future. Because there's a fine line between enjoying your teenage years, your 20s, to piss and pissing away your future. And so many people just live for the moment and they suddenly wake up at 25 and like, oh shit, I never set my future up and now I'm living in constant stress. So going back to 18, if I could time travel, I'd love to tell those kids in the audience to not follow the crowd, to not just look up to the popular kids in school, because what they're showing the outside world is completely different to what's going on the inside, and you have no idea. So they're just putting on a facade. And then I'd meditate, I'd spend some time myself, figure out who I am as a person, define my values, and find out what you love as soon, like as early as possible in life. And then after school, I'd travel. I'd say travel, open your mindset, move from where you're living, because it's such a, you won't change if you're just staying in the same place. Nothing will change if nothing changes and people expect it to, but 
if you just keep doing the same things you've always done, you'll get the same results. And being in the same place is like putting your past in front of you and just walking through it again. So yeah, I'd say spend time with yourself, get intimate with yourself, find out who you are as a person. That'll give you the confidence of knowing yourself that you can actually go out and start going after the things you want in life. And then traveling, that'll give you the independence and the confidence that you are your own person and you don't need you don't need your parents. You can actually stand up on your own two feet because a lot of young people are reluctant on their parents. They've grown up pretty bubble wrapped. So they haven't got the self-belief that they can actually do it for themselves. So they keep going back to mum and dad, not knowing what to do with their life. Yeah. But force them to grow up earlier will, yeah, will give them the confidence to stand on their own two feet and follow their own path, which ultimately what everyone needs, which is direction. That's what most young lads are lacking, direction of where they're going. Like men need something to aim for. And girls as well, you know, they follow the leader. Uh, and what message would, would you give them about alcohol? I tell them to have fun in like teens and twenties, but your future self would rather you not. And you have to keep one eye on the future and one eye on the present. It's good to have fun in the moment, but your future self wish you stopped drinking earlier. So just keep an eye on that and remember that and really assess your relationship with alcohol and see why you're drinking. Assess why you're drinking. If it is to have a good time, fair enough. People enjoy a drink and they like having a good time. But if you're using it for the wrong reason, you need to take a step back and sort out your life when you're sober rather than using alcohol as a crutch for the areas you're lacking in your life. So yeah, I'd really tell them to assess their relationship with alcohol. And if it's a healthy one, fair enough, have a good time. But if it's not, really assess that and make the changes in your life. Yeah, I think that's a great message, Charlie. And I think using that um, from my own experience is that I didn't address that. So in my teens and 20s, I did have a good time. I went clubbing, uh, met loads of girls. I, I was into football, so I was fit. You know, it, it, it was a really good time for me. But it was when I got into my 30s, I was drinking more. Uh, I was drinking indoors and I was using it to blunt my emotions. I had uh, a couple of real difficult breakups. So I started to block out my feelings and then that became like a comfort blanket for me. You don't notice yourself, do you? You, you don't, mate. And what you're saying is so true about when you're younger because you can nip it in the bud quicker. But with me, I went along with it. And, and it's also the people that you mix with because I, I was going to a local pub Right, it was a bit of a spit and sawdust pub, but right, it was like um, in the UK. They're not around so much now, but there would be a public bar and a saloon bar, and the public bar was for the people that were like the builders and the workmen, and the saloon bar was for the solicitors and estate agents in their suits and that. So it was them and us sort of thing, and we had the old pool table, dartboards and whatever. And I started mixing with the lads there and felt accepted. One of the boys ended up staying in there longer, leaving the van there and walking home. But then on the way home, I would start going into the office to buy strong ciders. And then, as a lot of people know, into my 40s, I drank alone at home because I isolated myself from all my feelings. And I, it got to a state that it got too complicated for me to, to unpick. So I just every single day blunted everything out. But then I'm into my 40s, right? So what you said earlier about pissing away your future, I've spent four decades that I've got memories of. Believe me, and we can't travel back, but believe me, Charlie, if, if 
I could change that a word, but I can't. So that's what I do with my life now. So that's why I'm working hard to help support people who are maybe getting themselves into trouble with alcohol or they've got themselves into trouble. And that includes mm-hmm. talking to people like you, because I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there who've got kids that are getting themselves into trouble with drinking. And I, and I think your message is you, you need to be known about you know, because you're so wise for your age. And I'm really looking forward to seeing your journey of where you go with this because you and Cage are amazing, honestly. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. No, no, it's it's my pleasure having you on this podcast, mate. A couple of things as well I want to talk about is that point I made just then about living in the past because what I've done since I've given up drinking, and I don't do it anymore because I've talked to myself about it, is living in the past was such a negative feeling for me. It dragged me down because it it was regret. If I hadn't have drank like I did, how would my life be? You know, you can't change history. So you talk about that on your Instagram, don't you? Yeah, I do, because it's such a big aspect. The reason people live in the past is, like you said, they're living in regret. And the reason they're in regret is because they haven't dealt with the shit that they've gone through they haven't brought the emotions to the surface to actually deal with them and break them down and see what they need to do they're too scared to bring them up bring up the skeletons so instead they use things like alcohol to suppress their emotions to keep pushing it down keep pushing it down but that stuff's still there that's going to come up eventually and it'll show up in every area of your life in your relationships in your finance in your career so the sooner you can bring up the emotions and bring up the stuff you've been through and deal with that, the better, because it's going to affect your future so much. Living in regret of the past is just putting your future in front of you and walking through it again. You're just going to be reliving the same thing. And the only thing the past is good for is taking the lessons and applying it to the future, finding out what not to do. And through that process of constantly assessing the past, not living in the past, assessing the past and seeing what went well, what didn't go well, and then you can apply that to the future. Because all life is, is working yourself out. No one's got the shit figured out. Everyone's just having a go. And through your experiences, through all the shit you've been through in life, you can slowly create your future, build it up and have something to aim for and something to work towards. Because that's what you need. You need that direction. You need something, a North Star that you can constantly go towards, a path to follow. Because otherwise you just float around life aimlessly. Like a boat without an oar, you just go wherever life takes you so use your past to take the lessons and put it in the future to know what to do and then yeah you can slowly work yourself out charlie i could literally listen to you all day mate and i i I know as well there's people listening to this going wow mate you're 25 and you're just so wise and it's i've almost got goosebumps listening to you because you're so absolutely spot on and that's also what i say to people that have decided to stop drinking, right? And they say, oh my God, I've failed. I've only gone seven days and I started drinking again and I'm a failure and whatever. And I say to them, listen, this is a journey, right? There's no word failure. It's evidence. You use it as evidence Mm. to ask yourself questions. What led me to start drinking again after seven days? What can I learn from that experience can i 
help myself not to let that happen next time. You know, I know people that have tried eight, 10, 12 times to get there and they have, you know, and it's never linear, this journey. And it's important that, you know, we're all living in the present now. And as you just said, you know, using the past for experience and knowledge that you can pass on is what I'm doing. I mean, I'm an old goat now, right? I'm 57. But that works in my favor a lot of the time because I've got 40 years worth of life that I can Mm. use to help all ages, you know, all ages of people. And that's why I say you're never, ever too old to change your life, right? Because I look at my past 40 years of growing up. I started drinking when I was 14, stopped when I was 54. It'd be easy for me to say I've just thrown my life away. But I haven't, right? Because I've had successes. I've got an amazing wife now. I've got an amazing son who's 27. I've got lovely stepkids, family around me. It's, but what else have I got? By stopping drinking alcohol, I'm now an ambassador of alcohol change. I'm doing public speaking like for the for the college. I've got a lot of other things up my sleeve. I'm doing this podcast and meeting people like yourself, you know, and it, it's my whole life is so enriched now. So I try and encourage people to think I'm never too old to change my life. I'm never too old to start meditating like what you've just said, you know, do some breath work, look at your inner self, visit your inner child. That's something I'm doing now. And I think it's important to say as well, Charlie, that sometimes you need extra support to do that sometimes we're not equipped to do it on our own and it can be really really intimidating it can be stressful to look back and think I've got a certain trauma in my life that I need to face so there's no harm in saying I need to seek professional help whether it's a therapist, whether it's a, mm. a sober coach or whatever, you know, like it, it's so important to be open to that as well. Yeah, actually being open, putting your hand up saying, holy shit, I need help here. Rather than just keeping yourself to yourself, protected by your ego, not admitting that you need help. Actually opening up and having vulnerability is such a key aspect, such a key personality trait, vulnerability. Because you get to open up to people And that's how you build genuine connections. And when you build genuine connections, you have the benefit of shared knowledge. You can tap into people's history and see what they've learned. So you're not just going off your own history. You can go off other people's history and life lessons like yourself. Having those open conversations, go in one level deeper than, oh, did you watch Arsenal on the weekend? Oh, what chicks are you speaking to? Actually have deeper conversations with your friends and speak to them. Ask them instead of, how are you, mate? And they go, yeah, right. Just say like, how are you, mate? There's a different way to saying it. Like go one level deeper because people could be suffering so much below the surface and you have no idea because what they show the outside world is not what's going on underneath. So if you can have that deep conversation, be the first to go one level deeper than the surface level questions. And then you can build so many genuine connections and actually open up. And that's where all the fulfillment is in life. Actually having connections, having people around you love and you can open up to. And then you don't feel alone and you can ask for help. And it's just such an upward spiral. If you can actually build the connections around you, feel free to open up, ask for help. And you just build so much momentum you can build off and you stop playing the victim. Stop saying me, me, me. Like the world did this to me. My girlfriend did this to me. I drink because of this. My dad drunk. You can actually stop that and take accountability for your life. So yeah, accountability and vulnerability. 
Amazing, mate. And and the other thing is as well that um, what I've learned is that um, all the friendships I've had in my life surrounding drinking are mainly fake because no one's actually listening to each other. We're all we're all content and getting pissed. And since I've become sober, which is nearly three years now, I have met some amazing people, but genuinely got some incredible friendships now. And I would love to think forever because. When we go out now and we're not drinking, we're listening, genuinely listening to each other rather than thinking, actually, it's your round, mate, and I've drunk my pint quicker than you hurry up. You know, and then after two or three beers, you're starting to get away with the fairies. So when I'm standing there with people who are drinking, after a couple of hours, I have to leave because I, it's horrible. It's so horrible to be in that company where you know they're not listening, they're saying the same old thing back to you, probably spitting in your face. And it's like, I'm not interested. And funny you say, Charlie, about the conversations in the pub about Arsenal at the weekend. I've never been that kind of person. And and I've even been in a pub drinking and thinking, this is so boring. You know, you're just talking rubbish. And now I love yeah. to have meaningful conversations and sit there in a coffee shop for a couple of hours and really picking things apart and getting stuck into a conversation, you know. And I, mm. I'm i so grateful for that in my life now. Albeit a man, a woman, someone younger like yourself, I just love those conversations that can help you expand on yourself as well. You know, you're learning from each other during that period yeah. and you take things away and, and you then you ponder about them later on and you think do you know what I feel in a really good place in my life because I, I, I've, I've had a great day and I've got a great friend there who's genuinely listened to me and, and that's it's those things in life that are so important aren't they yeah one thing I would say about going out is define your outcome am I going out to get blind drunk to suppress my emotions and the week I've had or am I going out with my friends to have a good time, to socialize, to form better connections with them? I was, I was in a pub like three weeks ago with some friends. I was in the bathroom having a pee. And this young lad came in. He's like 20. And he's like, hey, mate, you're selling. Like so desperate. He was like, fuck, I need drugs. I need, like, have you got a Coke, mate? Do you know anyone that's selling? I was like, mate, stop. Like your friends are out there. You don't need it. Go out and have a good time with your friends. Like sit down listen to the conversations rather than just chasing drugs and more alcohol just to just to suppress and numb yourself because there's so many friends out there uh, that have come out to speak to you but you're just too busy in your own head trying to get more pissed and more pissed and like find drugs it's just a losing battle but you know what it's lovely talking to you at your age because my conversation gets often sort of um, pushed away because it's like, oh, well, it's not like that now, you know, that kind of thing. That was in your day and you're old now yeah. and things. But do you know what I, I think is a real problem, and you touched on it in the beginning, is this instant gratification. It's like everyone wants it now. With the mobile phones and the, the swipe, I saw a documentary, right, about, mobile about device addiction and whatever and they're relating the swiping up where you're scrolling on instagram or facebook to one-armed bandit where you're pulling down the handle like that because you want to win and you you've spent your five quid or something in it and then you go to the bar and get some more change to feed the thing because it's that constant dopamine hit that you're always searching and what you've said in the beginning is like stop just stop 
the cogs turn yeah. and think. And that's the message I think you're giving here. And I think it's so empowering because we're all rushing around like ants, not knowing where we're going. And it's like, what is the next hit we can get? Like that guy in the toilet, you know, have you got anything? Have you got anything like manically? And I think it's a real big problem. I mean, in the UK, there's addiction centers for, for devices opening up where I sit in my own step kids. When I take away their device, do you know what they say? What am I meant to do now? And you're 11 years old. There's three of you. Go out and climb a bloody tree. Do anything. You'll get in trouble. You know? Yeah. Do you go, go and read a book. Go and do something. But it's like they're literally completely lost without their device. And I know that I'm not the only parent saying that. And, and But adults as well, you sit on a train or a tube and everyone's scrolling on their phone. And the other day I saw someone with a book and I wanted to actually commend them for reading a book. And it's like, how mad is that? That someone's reading a book yeah. to approach them and say, well done, you're reading a book. It's, it's crazy. I was on the train down from Brisbane to Gold Coast like a month ago. And these school kids came on. There was like seven of them. They were all sat on the floor, hunched over, just scrolling on their phone. I'm like, talk to each other. Like, yeah. you're there. They're your friends. But people are replacing genuine human connection with online connection. I know. And the instant gratification bit, people sacrifice what they want most for what they want right now. And they're not going to get anywhere in life because they're just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and feed themselves with social media. You have to think of it in the same way as a diet. If you eat all day, every day, all the crap you see on social media is like eating McDonald's all day, every day. It's going to make yourself, your physical body fat. And what you're doing scrolling on social media every day for seven hours is making your brain fat, essentially. It's making you not be able to function, not be able to do the hard things. So you'll never, everyone has these big goals because they see all these Lamborghinis on Instagram, but you're never going to reach it if you keep looking at people with Lamborghinis on Instagram because you won't do any of the hard things in life. You'll just keep leaning into instant gratification. But if you lean into the discomfort in the short term, your life will be so much better in the long term. But people keep leaning into the to the soft, oh, I'll have a McDonald's, oh, I won't exercise, oh, I'll just scroll my phone, not read a book. Having comfort in the short term is going to make you very uncomfortable in the long term because you're going to be fat, not being able to do anything and have no friends. But it's just people need to learn to have that discomfort in the short term and not just keep going for the instant gratification. It's so true, mate. It's so true. And there's a, a page that I follow, right, called After School 100, I think, and it's School S with K. And they do these really, really powerful animations and they hit hard. There, there was one uh, about dopamine fasting uh, where all the kids are, or adults went to porn, scrolling and stuff. And, and the pictures are of these people that are just staring at their phone, like looking ill. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's a real problem. I'm actually going to a place in the middle of nowhere um, for three days. It's no mobile signal, no Wi-Fi, nothing. Uh, and you get a map and a compass and a, and a place called unplugged.rest, I think, because I want to get away from it all and I want to get in touch with my feelings and my thoughts because I've got a project coming up soon that I really I, I want to explore my mind and my soul to bring the best out in this project and my wife I mean she's the most amazing person in the world but she loves her phone so what they do there they put your phone in a box and padlock it and for me it's thank you 
And I said to Em, would you like that? So I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> but it's, so it's amazing, isn't it? Well, of course you can do it because it's you don't need it to survive in your life. You know, but it's oh. amazing how people rely on bloody devices these days and internet to find out where you're going, not a map or a compass or asking someone, you need your sat-nav, you need your Apple phone to pay for the shopping because you don't really have cash anymore. It's virtually a cashless society, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's, scary. it's scary. It makes me feel uncomfortable, actually. Like, where is this leading? Where is this going to all end up? all this this yeah i feel like my generation is the last generation that'll actually go around their friend's house and knock on the door and ask if people want to come out and play instead of texting you when you're at the door just constantly on the phone i traveled around australia for three months and i was in these in the rainforest no signal and as soon as i got there i was like oh fuck this is gonna be shit i haven't got my phone i can't go on instagram can't share how good of a time i'm having on instagram but after two days out there i was like wow that was a best place i've been to and I'm looking back I was like it's because i didn't have my mobile phone yeah. i was able to shut out the noise of the outside world and actually hear the voices inside like hear my thoughts hear spend time with myself instead of just constantly interrupted by this outside noise in this busy world i can actually shut that off and be with my own thoughts and it was the best thing ever i want to do a 10-day meditation retreat a silent retreat no phones, no talking, and just see how I go, because I think that'll be a good challenge. I, I think you would learn such a lot. I mean, you're learning already about yourself, and especially for a lad that's come from a, a little village or town in North Wales. I was there recently. Uh, I climbed Snowdon. And, uh, yeah, I it's like an hour that. away from me, yeah. Yeah, I loved that. I really did. And in fact, I've been invited to uh, climb the Atlas Mountains next year in Morocco. So if, uh, if you want to meet us over there, mate, <laughs> we'll do that. It's, I'm trying to stay in. I'm trying to stay in Australia at the moment, mate. Yeah, my own battles. I'm fighting. Yeah, it's a five day thing, and 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 this is what I find about giving up alcohol is your friendships change because you're no longer aligned with the same people, uh, and you don't have mm. to be do things when people are sober because people that might drink moderately would do more activity holidays like doing Ben Nevis or something. Alcohol's not a main part of their life. So you meet people along the journey, you just change the path, you know, and that's what's been important for me that incredible people that I meet that were more aligned with where I want my life to go now has just made everything so much more beautiful for me, you know, and genuine heartwarming friendships that will check in with me if they think I'm a little bit low. It's a genuine, as you said, how are you? You see people walking down the street now, rushing like maniacs, right mm. you're right yeah 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 all right i'll catch you soon mate. i'll text you I'll, I'll send you a whatsapp or whatever and it's like stop hold their arm still. say how are you are you okay a genuine question and then it stops people to actually think about are they okay because we're like lunatics rushing everywhere it, it's so like, like crackheads just can't wait for the next thing the next thing yeah when you get up in the morning you're like thinking about brushing your teeth when you're brushing your teeth you're thinking about breakfast when you're having breakfast you're thinking about driving to work when you're driving to work you're thinking about work you're just never in the moment 
educate yourself on mindfulness practice breath work like to actually be inside your body to associate yourself inside your body rather than constantly living in the future waiting for the next thing the next thing i think uh, i was going to ask you to wrap this up today charlie is what what lays ahead for you and i think possibly it would be you opening your own retreat that uh, would be a place for people to go to meditate to sit with their feelings i think that could be something later on in life that you would be amazing at because when i talk to you you inspire me so i imagine all the people listening to this podcast will feel equally inspired by the way you talk and i i I think your future is amazing and i think that comes from a place of you stopping and reconnecting Mm. with yourself absolutely like stop what you're doing you're just putting one foot in front of the other and eventually you'll fall off a cliff if you don't look up and see where you're going yeah so yeah stop in life and actually assess where you're going and your environment's super important look at the people you're hanging around with don't judge them but think where will these people be in five ten years is that where i want to be if not change like nothing's going to change if nothing changes it's going to be hard i'm not saying cut off all your friendships but just assess who you're spending the most time with because that's who you'll become in the future. Start hanging around with more inspirational people, people you actually look up to, and then hold yourself to their standard. And then eventually you'll be like that. And that's what I'm trying to be for younger people, to be that role model. And I'm just getting into the coaching space. I coach a few young lads on actually finding direction in their life, finding what the limits and beliefs are, what their unhealthy habits are, teach them how to form good habits, how to have confidence, how to live a healthy lifestyle and actually take care of themselves. And because what you constantly put in your head is what you soon become. So I just want to put so much information and the right information into these young lads' head rather than what school teaches, which is who's the best at memorizing. If you're not very good at memorizing, you're dumb. Yeah. Instead of finding out what they're actually good at and have them focus on that. So yeah. I, I think what um, you would have to offer as well is parents approaching you to ask advice on the best way to talk to their kids as well because I think that's equally important because sometimes as parents we lose focus about it as well and we could come across as maybe nagging or telling them what to do and stuff like that and I I think that's equally important the message you're giving there of um, whether they're lads or girls going through their own emotional problems and whatever. And sometimes because we're too close to them, we don't know how to talk to them. And I think that could be another avenue that you could explore as well. That's exactly it. You're too close to the fire to see that it's actually hot. Having someone with an outside view of the situation, because most bad behavior of children is just passed down from their parents, but the parents, all their bad behavior is just passed down from their parents. So actually stopping in life and breaking the chain, breaking the patterns of your behavior. Because if you don't change, you're just going to pass it on down to to your kids. Like all the shit you hate about yourself, you're just going to pass on to your own kids and teach them how to be exactly the same. So having someone on the outside to look at the situation like third person makes such a difference because they can actually see what's going on and not have emotions involved. Charlie, it's been an absolute joy talking to you and i'm so grateful for you sharing your story and your wisdom and your knowledge and i'm just so grateful and i think people are going to absolutely love you i really do 
and they need to know about you and that's why I've invited you to be on my podcast because I think um, what you're doing is absolutely fantastic but all equally essential as well so thank you so much for joining me and uh, let's stay in touch I want to do lots with you I really do I want to do some lives with you and let's get the message out there yeah absolutely yeah then available on instagram lads search for meaning just if anyone wants to reach out i'm always there and yeah i'd love to have you on to talk about alcohol and share some lessons with the younger audience i think it's absolutely mate really important it is it is and that's you know when i did that talk at the school i i got such a lot from it because they they listened and they the the one of the biggest messages actually they dm me at the end um was when I said you don't have to get pissed to enjoy yourself. And that message really hit home with them, you know? Because sometimes we mm. go along with just a shame, oh, we have to go out and get pissed so we have a good time. You don't. You really don't. And that's what I've learned now in like, my stage of life is that I enjoy myself a lot more now because I remember it. Yeah. People create anchors, like they associate drinking with a good time. Exactly. Exactly. But when you stop drinking, it's called drinking amnesia as well. You only remember the good times. And it's like when you split up with someone and after a certain period, you you forget the bad times and you fantasize about the good times. Yeah. Oh, uh, I did love it. I'm like, oh, alcohol was fun. Because you only remember like the 1% of feeling buzzed and having a good time with your friends. But you can have that exact same good time just without the money spent, the hangovers and all the shit that comes with alcohol, the relationships lost. You still have those moments in a coffee shop. People need to learn that. A hundred percent, mate. Thank you so much, Charlie. And you're very welcome. Be in touch uh, and see you soon, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Bye, mate. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. One for the Road can be found on all the usual podcast platforms. And now you can subscribe to my new platform on Patreon, where you can watch the live unedited video recordings and you also get two bonus podcasts per month. The link is on my show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at SoberDave. And please don't forget to subscribe. And if you get a chance, please leave a review. Until then, have a great week and see you next time.